Good evening. It's good to see you all here tonight. If you'll turn with me, to please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. One of the greatest challenges I think we have as 21st century Christians is hearing what the Word of God has to say to us. I think a lot of times we look at the Bible as a book that was written so long ago for a galaxy far, far away. It's not for us, right? It's for people in a different time, a different place, um, a different culture completely foreign to our own here in the United States. And we look at it and we think, well, that's, that's the Word of God, but how do I really make it mine, right? How do I really hear it? How do I listen to it? How do I apply it? So what I'd like to do is look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. As we go through these verses, I'd like us to reflect on them as we read them, to really hear them, to really understand them. Because while it's true that the letters were written for a specific audience, it's also true that they were written for us. It says all scripture is profitable. It's not profitable then and not now. It continues to be profitable. And because of that, we need to hear what it has to say to us. One of the most difficult things I think we have is bridging the, the culture gap. And there are many instances in the New Testament where um, the stories are very foreign to us. They, they use language and terminology that, that we don't quite understand. It takes a lot of study to, to understand it, the real depth of it. And yet I think here in 1 Peter chapter 2, we see a very basic uh, analogy that's used that speaks to us equally today as it did back then. And that analogy is of buildings and stones. And we think of the buildings that are made even today of concrete stones, uh, concrete blocks, one on top of each other. They go uh, dozens and dozens, hundreds of stories into the sky. They weren't quite so tall back in the New Testament period, but the idea is the same. The idea is if you build a building and it's not structurally sound, it will fall. And the message that's being given to us, as well as to the original audience of 1 Peter, um, is that we are those building blocks. We are the stones. And as we look at how we are to address um, each other and ourselves as those stones, to understand exactly what the importance of being a part of that living body is, um, let's ask ourselves, as we go through the passage tonight, how can I apply that to myself and to my own lives? What does that mean to me to be a living stone? But let's read the passage and then we'll go back and we'll reflect on a few of the verses. Starting at verse 4 in 1 Peter chapter 2. And coming to him as a, to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, 
the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may become, may because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of salvation. These words speak to us as much today as they spoke to the original audience. We continue to be the living stones. We continue to be built upon the cornerstone that is Christ. But let's look and see how we can apply that to our lives. We are in verse 4 called to come to Christ. And at the very beginning, there's motion involved. And one of the many um, challenges of the New Testament is ironies. How can we be washed clean by blood? How is it that water doesn't cleanse the body, but cleanses us spiritually? How are all of these things, how can a lamb be victorious? How can a lamb that was slain be victorious? And yet we see here's another irony that the Bible has given to us. We are living stones. How can we be living in stones at the same time? The message that's given to us here is we are called to be alive. We're not called to be dead. We're not called to be inanimate, inarticulate, unmoving. We're called to be living and breathing and vibrant. But we're also called to be solid, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. And that is the call that we are to have as living stones. We are stones, living stones that come to him. And yet we see that Christ himself was the very first living stone. In verse 4 we see, the stone was rejected by men. And yet we see the opposite of what men value and what God values. God values Christ as the living stone. He was choice and precious in God's sight. So we also then are called to be living stones. Much as Christ is our example in so many things, in this too, we are to follow his example. He was pleasing to God and he was a choice and precious in his sight. And we are also called to be a part of that. He is in fact the foundation of the building upon which we are to continue to grow. He needs to be that foundation, the cornerstone upon which the rest of the building will be erected. And we see that in verse 4, as we become a living stone, as we follow Christ's example, and we take on this living attribute, we are also called to be a spiritual house, continuing the idea of building, the idea of structural soundness and completion. 
but we are also a holy priesthood, and we are called to give spiritual sacrifices. The spiritual sacrifice, much like Christ himself, was a sacrifice in our place. We are again called to live our lives as spiritual sacrifices for him. And we see this very clearly in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, verses 47 through 52. So we see here the irony again that comes so often in the Bible. Caiaphas stood up and he said, don't you get it? Don't you understand? It's better that we kill this man than the rest of the nation of Israel be lost. It's better that we sacrifice this one individual so that the rest of us can be saved. The rest of us will be continue to serve God. And yet he wasn't doing that on his own. He was fulfilling the prophecy. He was correct that one person needed to die. But instead of what one person needing to be die so that the rest of the nation not perish, it was because of that sacrifice that the rest of the nation had the choice of making that follow of following Christ and taking on that cleansing blood that Christ had sacrificed for us. It wasn't because of the sacrifice that caused the nation of Israel to be safe. It was because of the choices that the Israelites had followed, they continued to reject who Christ was even after his sacrifice. And so even though Caiaphas was speaking um, on his own, he thought, it turns out that he was fulfilling the prophecy. He was explaining exactly the purpose of the sacrifice that Christ was going to make for us. And that's exactly the purpose that we today continue to recognize and to realize. So if we go back to chapter 2, we see that there's a quotation in verse 6 from Isaiah chapter 20, 28 and verse 16. I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. And we see from the example that Caiaphas gave us that in fact they didn't believe and therefore they were disappointed. And yet today we believe in him and we are not. This precious value in verse 7, as we see again, repeating and echoing the, the phrase that was used in verse 4, that Christ was precious and choice in the sight of God. This precious value then is for us who believe today as it was back then. And in fact, we see that in verse um, 7 where it says the precious value. And the value there is also the same that was used in Acts chapter 5 verses 2 and 3. Let's take a look quickly at Acts chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. A familiar story. Starting at verse 1, But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. 
But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? The price that we see there um, in verses 2 and verses 3 is the same word that's used as value in, in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It is an idea of a, a resultant proceeds or payment. And in fact, that payment that we have is a result of our belief. That redemption that we have comes as a response to our belief in Christ. In verse 8, we see a quotation again from Isaiah, but this time chapter 8 and verse 14. In verse 9, we continue, we are, in fact, uh, several different phrases that are used to describe us. We are a chosen race. Um, and in Acts chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, that same idea is given as offspring or children. We are a royal priesthood. In Exodus chapter 19, we see that we're a royal priesthood. We're called to, to be, in fact, the Israelites originally were called to be the royal priesthood. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 2 through 6. So we see that, we, that the Israelites were originally called by God through Moses to be a royal priesthood. But they were also called to be part of God's possession, as we saw in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 19. But those, that's not the only place where the Israelites were called a royal priesthood or a people of God's own possession. We also see that same idea in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Special 
So the Israelites were called to separate themselves from the foreign nations that were around them, to distance themselves, to not follow their gods, to not worship their gods, not even to marry their women and their men. They were called to separate themselves and be distinct from those nations that were around them, for they were evil in the sight of God. And the Israelites were called to remain separate and apart from them. We too are called to be separate and apart from those who are around us. The world continues to to thrive in evil around us, and God calls us to be a holy nation and to be a people for his own possession today as the Israelites were before. But what's the end result of this? We're a royal priesthood, we're a chosen race, we're a holy nation, we're in in God's possession. So what? What is the result? The result is so that we can proclaim his excellencies. As we recall, um, the idea of proclamation was often given to angels. And in fact, the word that's proclaimed here is um, to come out of the message, to come out of a message. Um, And it contains that same word that we get angel from today. In Luke chapter 19 and verse uh, 28 through 40, uh, we see a very similar uh, explanation and uh, example of proclaiming his excellencies. There is no way to avoid recognizing the power and the majesty of who God is. And Jesus, as the Son of God, as the only Son of God, came to this earth as a king, not as a king that the Israelites would understand to physically uh, uh, save them from the Romans, but as a spiritual king that we are called to follow. And in fact, the Pharisees said, keep them from praising you, keep them from, from calling out. And even the stones, Jesus said, would proclaim that, would proclaim who I am. And we are called, in fact, as those stones that Jesus referenced in that passage. We are called to be those living stones today, as the living stones that have the spiritual sacrifice, as we are his, as we continue to be that holy nation and the royal priesthood. We are to call out and to proclaim who he is. And in fact, we see the very clear difference between who we were before we knew Christ and who we are after we know Christ. In verse 11, we see we were once not a people. We were once without mercy. And now we are a people, and we have mercy. God has brought us together. He has joined us together like stones that are joined in a building. He has given us his mercy that we would not have without that. We follow him, we recognize him, we know who he is, and we are praising him in our daily life. But in fact, we are in this world. 
We are surrounded by people who do not believe, who do not understand, who do not have the same faith that we have. And so in verse 11, he calls us aliens and strangers. Aliens and strangers. We're out of place. We're out of touch. We're unfashionable. We don't understand the language of the people around us. We don't understand the culture. We don't understand what they're doing or what their values are. Because, in fact, we are aliens and strangers in this place. The fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul are all around us. And we see that everywhere we go. And so we are called today to continue to fight for the truth. We are called to be living stones, to proclaim who God is, who his son is, what he has done for us. And we are looking forward to the day when he will come back. When he will come back and recognize his people. And so unto that day we are called to live, to watch, and to always focus on. In verse 12, it's called the day of visitation. The day of visitation is a fairly strange term. In fact, it's only used four times in the New Testament. It's used in Acts chapter 1 and verse 20 as an idea of office or something, a role that you're called to do. It's also used here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. It's used, interestingly enough, in Luke chapter 19 verses 41 through 44. But it's also used in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you recall the lessons that we had a few months ago about elders, um, that is in fact the same word that's used in 1 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 1. The day of visitation is the same word that's used as an overseer in 1 Timothy 3. And in fact, there are some other similarities in that first seven verses of the third chapter of 1 Timothy that we can hear. This is a faithful saying. A man desires the position of a bishop. He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well and his children in submission is all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and will sneer at the devil. So we see in that seventh verse of the third chapter of 1 Timothy, the, the value of an outsider's opinion is, in fact, a requirement. You must have a good uh, reputation with those who are outside the body of Christ. And we see that very same idea here in the twelfth verse of 1 Peter chapter 2. And in fact, we're told to keep our behavior excellent so that the Gentiles will not have anything to say against us. And in the day when he comes back, in the day of his visitation, they will give us a good report because of our good deeds. So we see that we're called to be living stones. We're recognized as strangers or aliens. We are a people that belong to God. We are called to sacrifice and live our lives as sacrifices for him. What I'd like to do is to finish up by turning back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, as Doug read for us um, earlier this evening, uh, we see that we are a holy nation and a people that belong to God. But let's finish up and I'll just read the last, uh, the next few verses, 6 through 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 7. 
Because as the Israelites were called to be separate from the people who are around them, we today are called to be separate from the world around us. We are called to recognize who we belong to and who we are. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all of the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other peoples, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments, but repays those who hate them, hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. We are called today to continue to follow what God has told us. He has given us his son. His son has sacrificed his life that we can have that hope of eternal life with him. We continue to be a chosen people that God has identified, that God has given us that benefit of eternal life. If we respond to his offer, if we answer his call, if we recognize and believe who Jesus is and what he has done for us, if we are willing to be one of his chosen people, if we are willing to be and live as a stranger and as an alien in this world until he comes back to claim us as his own. That's the call that we have today, to live in faithful love for him. If you've fallen away, if you need some help to come back into that body, if you need anything that we can do for you, we can pray for you, we can be there with you. If there's anything at all that we can do for you, won't you let your needs know and known as we stand and sing.